the horizon. What's going on, everybody? This is Matt Hofeld along with Rich DeCray. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. We've got some Bedlam football to talk about. Also, updated path of the Big 12 Championship for the Sooners. Hint, hint, a lot of it rides on this Saturday evening. And we're going to take a short trip around the Big 12 because with the Texas game getting canceled, there's really only one other game going on in the conference special Bedlam edition of True or False with yours truly asking those questions to Rich DeCray. Let's jump right into this. Um, hey, I've got a question for you, Rich. I, I, this is my ADD kicking in, but I, I got out and about around Oklahoma City today, and I really haven't done that recently. Um, and, and I know you're a homeowner, so here's, here's what I got to know. This is, this is pertinent information. Christmas decorations before or after Thanksgiving? Where do, where do you sit on that? Um, for me personally, they will not be going up until after Thanksgiving. I, I know that that's, that that's not I'm always been you. the case, man, but I've had some conversations with people who are so against Christmas music at this point of the year. Yes, it's not right. But it's I said, time. but here's where I called them out. Complete sidebar. I know we, we've gone off topic here, Matt, at the very beginning, but I said... You don't like Christmas music being played right now, but I can almost guarantee that that individual, and I said this to them, I said that you've got your Christmas tree up. And they said, you're right. Yeah, no, that's- We hi- set that's, it up yeah, yesterday. Yeah. No, that's hypocritical. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's all in or all out on this deal. Man, but, I, I, I mean, just laughed. I, yeah. I scored my point and, and dunked on them and left. 100%. Yeah, we're, we're recording this uh, on the 19th, which is exactly seven days from Thanksgiving, which means it means you're eight days away from all this being okay. But I just feel like Thanksgiving. Thank, Thanksgiving is the archway to Christmas. It it's, is. It's in it is. which you walk but through look, into the Christmas spirit. Um, let me ask you this, because we're adults now, okay? Because as as kids, I think we would answer this question quite differently. But which would you rather? If you could only have one, you taking Christmas or Thanksgiving? You Christmas. can only have. Are you serious? Yeah, Matt. I'm. Uh, no, I'm see, still a big kid about, at heart. Uh, it's all I'm, about. I'm not. In my in my household, I'm the first one who wakes up, still to this day. Do you run and, and count the presents under the tree? I don't, but I beg desperately. Do you have like the, you have like the onesie pajamas? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I beg desperately to open one gift on Christmas Eve, though, as that was a tradition that we did when I was yeah. a child. Now, my family, me being older, does not oblige, and we wait. But I'm still no. the first person up. No. It, it never fails. You, and I, I typically bring cinnamon rolls, so everyone's in a good mood. Do you for Santa? No, I just bring cinnamon rolls in the morning. <laughs> Cookies and milk wouldn't last through the night. I'd be but, the first yeah, one I mean, up to eat them. I don't know. See, I'm a dad, so I, I just uh, give me Thanksgiving. Give me turkey. Give me uh, pumpkin pie. Give me, give me see, all this see, stuff. That's in where we're football. gonna differ. In football, and that's that's all right. Speaking of football, let's jump in here. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam coming up Saturday evening, primetime game on ABC. I want to start with a little bit of recruiting news. Um, Danny Stutzman and Jordan Mukes both elevated to four-star status. Now, if you're not familiar with those names, those are two guys on the defensive side of the ball that are uh, committed to the University of Oklahoma for 2021. Mukes, a local product out of Choctaw High School. Danny Stutzman coming out of Florida. And here's the thing about Stutzman, and and we said this about this kid. We were, uh, if if you follow our website or you follow our podcast. You may remember us talking about Danny Stutzman even before he committed to the University of Oklahoma. And there really wasn't a lot of people out there offering him. And in fact, one of the knocks against Stutzman was because he played both sides of the ball. He was a two-way player and people didn't know where he fit. And Oklahoma recruiting because of his speed, Alex Grinch, speed defense, right? He saw this kid. He wanted him as a linebacker. Now Stutzman is rated as a top 15 linebacker, outside linebacker in the 2021 class. OU, uh, he goes to show how, what they can do as far as what they see in the product on the field and then how that product translates into what they want him to do at the University of Oklahoma. And they got in on this kid early. This is the kid that uh, you may have read or heard or remember. He's the hot rod muscle car kid. And when he did his virtual visit with OU, they had all the hot rod muscle cars lined up for him. And, uh, man, just first of all, you, you love to see guys get elevated in their status. And then you love to see guys that are committed, like Danny Stutzman, get even bumped up where a top 15 player in their position. 
quick question for you on this, Rich. Uh, I'd love to hear general thoughts if you got them on, on either one of these guys and, and being four stars now, because it's only going to help boost Oklahoma's recruiting class even more. But for me, I'm, I'm super thrilled about it. But I get more I get more intrigued about a guy who's uncommitted when his status goes up as opposed right. to guys who are already committed because I know they're coming to OU. I love it. I love that they're four stars, but I'm more like that guy out there who's not committed and maybe OU's in the top five and he gets boosted. That makes me want him even more. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? I, I think first off, my initial thought is it really validates this coaching staff, this Oklahoma Sooners coaching staff and the, their ability to evaluate talent. When you get in on a guy early, number one, if you can get them to commit before all these other programs are, it's, it says that you've got a relationship that's probably deeper than anybody else and will only continue to develop even as other, other programs continue to offer and other coaches continue to put their name in the hat with an individual. So again, it, it validates their ability, not that they needed it, not that we needed to see, <laughs> see that validated, but when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, you are looking for that validation mm -hmm. and saying that Oklahoma is moving in the right direction. Jordan Mukes was a guy that we said fits the mold of what Oklahoma wants to do under Alex Grinch in the secondary by recruiting taller physical players who aren't locked into one specific role, even though we believe Mukes will be a safety, aren't necessarily locked into one specific role and could potentially float when they get to that, that collegiate level. Needless to say, I don't know that I could differentiate myself from what you're saying as you see kids who are uncommitted begin to work their way up the ladder and even into that that five-star status because we know that that's going to continue to shuffle until the, the ink is on the paper for each and every single one of the individuals in this recruiting class. When someone bumps up, of course, an uncommitted player is going to draw more attention. They're going to draw more eyes. They're going to draw more interest, whether that's from the fan base, whether that's from coaches, whether that is from players that they have some familiarity with, or even players who are on a roster currently who have some relationship to that individual. Of, of course, like I said, I can't differentiate myself from you in that aspect. In in when we look at those uncommitted versus the committeds like the Stetsman and the Mukes, there is always going to be more excitement there. Yeah, for sure. And of course, we're a month away. December's next. You know, December's 11 days away as we're recording this. And then you're all, all of a sudden you're in National Signing Day month. Uh, for this early period. So that's, that's good to see. I, I, and then again, I'm, I would be more shocked if either one of these guys don't sign on the dotted line early, as opposed to, to waiting until later on in February to do it. All right, let's talk about big 12 football action this weekend. There's only two games, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. We're going to get well into detail on that one, but the other one is Iowa state, Kansas state. Both of these games are huge for the big 12 championship uh, outlook. There's two teams right now with one conference loss. That's Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Cowboys are the, the top-ranked team in the Big 12 at number 14. Iowa State at number 17. And then Oklahoma comes in there at number 18. The Sooners are one of three teams log-jammed in there with two conference losses with Kansas State and Texas. By the way, I don't know if you listened to last week, but Texas is lurking and making me a little bit uneasy. Just going to throw that out there. There is a clear path for Oklahoma um, to win this, to go to the Big 12 championship, and and people lose sight of this, but it is what it is. You don't have to be the top team in the Big 12. You only have to be the second best team in the Big 12, as far as the rankings and the standings go. And I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, you making it to the Big 12 championship. Well, I don't know. I don't know if we can catch Iowa State. You don't have to catch Iowa State. You got to catch Kansas State. And that's why that Iowa State-Kansas State game becomes really big this weekend. Now, clearly, if you're Oklahoma, if you're Oklahoma, you got to win out. That's just, there's just no there's no way around that. If you're the Sooners, you got to win all of your games because you lose now and, and you're and you're sunk. But Kansas State still has after their trip to Ames this weekend, they still have to go to Waco, Texas, and then they've got to go back home to host the Longhorns. And they're doing all this. They've, they've kind of been figured out. They, they've, they've had they, – they got blown out by West Virginia. They, they snuck away uh, – um, Oklahoma State snuck away with the win. But their, their offensive production has just tanked. They, 
they don't forget they beat OU 38 to 35. It's the most points they've scored all season long. They in their last well, not, let's not count Kansas, okay? They they scored 55 on Kansas, but you know, your mom could go out there with with some of the girls from her bridge club and score 30 against Kansas. But they they 38 against Oklahoma and 31 against Texas Tech. That's when they lost their quarterback. 21 against TCU, and then only 10 against West Virginia and 18 against Oklahoma State. This is a team that they're figuring out the freshman. They're figuring out Howard. This is a team that's tanking, not on purpose. They're just tanking because they don't have the talent there. That they, They're finally being exposed for the loss of their quarterback. All that said, you need Iowa State to win this weekend because Iowa State wins, Oklahoma wins, it's going to be the Sooners and Cyclones in, in Arlington. That's just the way. I mean, that that is the clear path. Now, there's another path. If, if Iowa State loses, there's still another path, but it gets way more complicated. But some would argue even more fun because then you've got, you know, you got right now you got Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas State with two losses. But let's say OU wins Bedlam and then Kansas State upsets Iowa State. Then you got half of the Big 12. You got five teams with two losses becomes a little bit more complicated, but a lot more fun at that point to try to figure out that's really a, the, the scenario that Texas wants, because then you start going into those tie breaking systems and rankings and stuff like that comes into play. Um, so that makes me a little more uncomfortable than if OU and Iowa State would just win out. That, that's just some quick thoughts. What, what do you got? Any, anything? Because I, I feel like you're just kind of looking at me like. I, I am. Um, and, and here's why. is because I feel as though from the onset of the season, it appeared as though there were a couple teams that we could have lumped together. I think Iowa State was one of those. I think Oklahoma quickly joined them as those two met on the field. And then there was a completely separate group that had a completely different trajectory which was the, the that Kansas State, it was Oklahoma State, and it was Texas. Needless to say, I believe all of those have at some point in time flipped and flipped back or are still in that flipped state. For instance, we're going to talk about Oklahoma State quite a bit, so I'm going to use them as our example. Where they started the season, I don't think they expected to be because of the injury to Spencer Sanders. There was a large group of people, myself included, that said Sanders shouldn't play until he's ready, given the schedule. But we thought of him as the more talented quarterback. Needless to say, Illingworth steps in and has quite a bit of success where I heard comments of people saying Oklahoma State has typically played better with a pocket passer than a mobile quarterback. Historically, you brought that up as well. Historically, we can look all the way all the way back. Is it 14, 15 years now that Mike Gundy's been there as the head coach? We can look throughout his tenure as the head coach at Oklahoma State University, and we can easily pinpoint their most successful years came under, guess what? Pocket passers. Mm-hmm. There is this ideology that maybe Illingworth would be a better option, but it's the, 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 the talents, the athleticism of Sanders is undeniable. And I do not envy Mike Gundy in that situation. I do not envy being the decision maker of who plays the quarterback position this year for Oklahoma State. But again, they had that injury. We saw them begin this trajectory upward and we saw the defense carrying this program. Now, all of a sudden, the offense isn't isn't producing like expected. There are some injuries, and Oklahoma State's, in my opinion, taking some steps backwards. That was a team that should have easily handled Texas. I don't care how that game finishes. Oklahoma State had opportunities to win that game throughout the entire 60 minutes, and it simply didn't happen. Guess who that reminds me of, Matt? It reminds me of Oklahoma at the beginning of the season, a team that simply didn't know how to finish. Well, you look at turnovers in that Mm -hmm. Texas game. Why did OU lose to Kansas State? Turnovers. Why did Oklahoma State lose to Texas? Turnovers. And I I said that. That's a good point that you're making. I I said that last week in in the podcast when I had to fly solo because you were rude and and out of the country. (laughs) Um, But um, that's why Texas bothers me. Because Texas is lurking, and I'm worried about it because of the way they're winning. 
Okay, they're they're not a good football team, but they get four turnovers against Oklahoma State. They get out of Stillwater with an overtime win, and then West Virginia chooses twice to go for it on fourth and one, fourth and two within the twenty yard line, within the red zone, and they get stonewalled both times. Where they, I think they lost that game by four points. You kick two field goals and you win, you know. And so Texas is lucky at the right time. And that's what bothers me. So back to that whole trajectory thing, I think Oklahoma and Iowa State are probably playing the best football in the conference currently. Iowa State, obviously, without Skylar Thompson, has taken a significant Kansas State. Kansas State, yes, thank you. Has taken a significant step backward without Thompson at the helm of this offense, mm-hmm. without him as the quarterback, because now what happens? Everyone's keying in on the running game. And if you can shut down the running game and force Kansas state to throw, they've struggled. They're beginning to regress again, Oklahoma pushing forward, Iowa state continuing to push forward, but Oklahoma state falling back a little bit, Kansas state falling back a little bit. And then Texas somewhere in the middle, because I really don't know what to think. Think about them at this point in time, given the way that they've had to win games, given the experience that they have, and given some of these preseason accolades, people expected them to contend for the Big 12 championship. And they're just, as you've mentioned it, they're just hanging around, but they're not in control of their own destiny. So again, I'm I'm left. I could flip a coin with Texas at this point. That's why I've placed them in the middle. But we have two trending upward, two trending downward. And that's where we sit. Well, we'll have a much better... Uh, picture this weekend based off of those two games, Bedlam and then Iowa State, Kansas State. So maybe when we come back together Sunday, we can have a, a different discussion on on where we stand here. But Bedlam, Bedlam is lur- is lur- looming, lurking. It's there. Looming. It's coming. Looming. Thank, it's thank on the you. horizon. It's 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 right there. I can see it. So we've <laughs> got to talk about that. The college football regular season is going to go well into December. There was this thing called the NBA bubble. UFC has its own fight island. Yeah, it's pretty clear 2020 has been a year unlike any other, which is why you need a sports book, which offers unlike any other. Get some skin in the game with my bookie, where the odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there's really no better time to feast on some NFL action. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found on the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform giving you access to the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close. So you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up at MyBookie. And when you do so, use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, OVERTIME, to get your deposit matched up to half, all the way up to 1000 bucks. Here's how the terms are. It's really simple. You put in 200 they'll match you with another 100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is just free money for you. It's a winning season at MyBookie, so come join in the fun and win some cash while you're at it. I never thought I would be saying this about Bedlam football 2020, but this is the best defense that Oklahoma has faced this point of the season. And when you look at the 10 regular season games, the best defense, I think that they will face. I I really felt Iowa state was going to take that role as the, the number one defense OU would face. I thought Texas would be better defensively than what Oklahoma state is, but it's undeniable Cowboys sitting there with a pretty strong defense right now. Um, they're only allowing opponents 311 yards per game, 17.8 points, hundred. They're holding their opponents to 169.3 yards through the air and 142 yards on the ground. This is a, this is a big game for Lincoln Riley and for these young people. And, and Rich, this is what scares me. And I, I've said this, I've written about it. We've got a, a Bedlam round table. That's going to show up on our website, heartland-sports.com uh, this weekend. And here, here's what scares me. When you look at the physical teams that Oklahoma has played this season, Iowa state, Kansas state, they've worn out. This offense just wore out. You, you look at the first half against Kansas state, Second half against Kansas State. They got worn out by a physical team. 
First half against Iowa State, second half against Iowa State. They were worn out by a more physical team. OU hasn't played a physical team since then. And you look at the other teams the, the, from the second half through the, uh, through the end of the overtimes, they, they kind of had their way with Texas offensively, right? And then you, you look at TCU, you look at, at Texas Tech, you obviously look at Kansas. Oklahoma has had their way offensively. Ramondre Stevenson adds so much more to this rushing attack. But when I look at this matchup and I address my concerns as an OU fan, the first thing I'm concerned about is this is a more physical defense. They're going to hit you. If you catch the ball, they're going to hit you. If you don't catch the ball, they're going to hit you. If you're in the pocket, they're going to hit you. If you leave the pocket, they're going to hit you. They're going to come. They're going to come hard, and they're going to come fast. And it's one of those things where you you just got to be ready for that. And, and we saw young players, skill position players, we saw them wear out early in the season. Now, they're more seasoned than that, right? They're, they're better. They're, they're on the winning streak. But are they ready for this? And that's that's my first concern. Now, I've got a game plan that if Lincoln Riley wants to hear it, I'm, I'm happy to share it with him. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But that's my concern. I, I don't know if you share that concern. I don't know if you thought about that. But I, I look at this and I think this in the whole game, all the matchups, special teams, defense versus offense, offense versus defense. This is the one thing that I come away with and say, Bedlam, I'm worried about Bedlam because of this. Man, I'm, I'm looking at the matchup. And the one stat that immediately jumps off the page for me is Oklahoma State's ability to limit passers and to limit receivers. This will be, and I thought Kansas State's secondary was, was mm-hmm. a, I mean, above average. They weren't just par for the course. They were certainly above average against Oklahoma. And I think we're going to see again. Well, we'll just go ahead and label it as this Oklahoma state's going to bring the best secondary that Oklahoma's faced all season long. I know you're talking about the entirety of the defense, but I'm singling in on that secondary and know that they are going to test these receivers, these young receivers like a Marvin Mims bumping him at the line of scrimmage and seeing how he handles the physicality that you're mentioning as well. We're also going to see, I believe Oklahoma state, attempt to get into the backfield and to rattle Spencer Rattler. I didn't want to mess up that statement. I felt like I would um, just because of the alliteration there. But if they can get into the backfield, I, I begin to question just how healthy is Spencer Rattler. I've seen what the media reports are. I've seen what Lincoln Riley has said, and that is Spencer Rattler's 100%. But what we know, what we saw the last time out After charging into the end zone, he took that shot to the hip and was never able to step through any of his passes again. This is a secondary that if any ball sails high because you can't step through that pass will make you pay. It may not be every single time, but it is a matter in this game of not if, but when for this Oklahoma State defense, assuming that Spencer Rattler can't step through or assuming they get to him and really re-aggravate that injury more than than re-injure him, but re-aggravate that injury, and we begin to see him limp around. So my my main concern for Oklahoma and how I think they should begin to prepare is they're going to have to run the ball consistently. They're going to have to run it exceptionally well in order to keep this secondary honest because if not, it doesn't matter if Spencer Rattler's 100% or not. If Oklahoma can't run the ball, this is a defense that will have a field day. Well, and that's what, it, for me, when I said I've got a game plan, that if Lincoln Riley wants to hear it, I, I, I obviously said that in jest because there's going to be people on Twitter, yeah, you think you're going to give Lincoln Riley game plans? No, I don't. Um, but um, to me, this is a game about pressure. If you're if you're Oklahoma, you want to bring pressure to Oklahoma State. Clearly, when the Sooner defense is on the field, that means you want to put pressure on Spencer Sanders. But when the Oklahoma offense is on the field, I think the pressure you want it to be on those safeties. You you mentioned the running game, and that's where that's what Ramondre Stevenson gives you that a, that a TJ Pledger doesn't. TJ Pledger's best game was against TCU, which was just a really soft team up front, but they had a solid secondary. Oklahoma State is is stronger up front than what TCU was, and so you want Ramondre Stevenson in there because he's going to hit that gap and he's going to hit it with power. So your linebackers are going to cheat up. If you can get 
a pulling guard or just if your lineman can somehow get to the second level or you use a Jeremiah Hall to, to, to block out a, uh, a linebacker and you're able to get into that back end of the defense, this is where the pressure comes. It's important that they're able to get sustained success with Ramondre Stevenson or TJ Pledger if they choose to go that way. But I think Ramondre is clearly – I don't think anybody – I just I, I don't feel like you can have watched OU football the last two weeks with Ramondre Stevenson or the last two games with Ramondre Stevenson and say, yeah, he's TJ Pledger's that good. He's not. I mean, that's that's no slide to TJ Pledger. It's just it's a different animal with Ramondre Stevenson. And the point I'm making is this. You want you want those safeties to be thinking in the first one and a half seconds that the ball is snapped. You want them to think about the run because when you talk about the speed, now Lincoln Riley is full on a genius at finding the mismatch in the defense. He's full on saying, we're going to do this with Ramondre Stevenson, which is going to make these linebackers collapse and the safeties come up. And then we're going to cheat so-and-so right here behind the safety. He's, he's genius at that. But the key is to pressure those safeties into thinking I've got to go help tackle Ramondre Stevenson. You know, and and be it a play action or just a handoff where you're just pounding and pounding and pounding. You want those safeties coming forward. And we we actually did a post um, after the TCU game. This is why Marvin Mims got the long touchdown against against TCU. Those safeties are deep. And then here's TJ Pledger coming at him, coming at him, and coming at him. And then those safeties are within five yards, five to seven yards of the line of scrimmage. Marvin Mims is one on one. Boom, touchdown. That's that's the key. And what Ramondre Stevenson gives you, and I, I have said this and said it and said it, it doesn't change it. it it's truth. What Ramondre Stevenson gives you is the ability to have access to your complete playbook. There, The way Ramondre has run the ball against Texas Tech and against Kansas, there's not a play that Lincoln Riley has that he can't that he can say, no, we can't do that one because we can't we don't have the running back. So to me, I agree with you. Ramondre Stevenson is the key, and it's all about pressure, and you want to pressure those safeties to have to make a decision to step forward as opposed to backpedal. And if he can get those, staf- those safeties stepping forward, I, I, that bodes well to me for the passing game. One thing I do need to backtrack on was, Matt, you and I had sat down, and I don't remember at which point of the season this was, but I said Oklahoma lacks the ability of big plays. Mm-hmm. And we knew that this was an offense under Lincoln Riley that ultimately was able to stress these defenses to where they would break. And those big plays would happen consistently. I didn't feel as though that happened. And maybe it was because it didn't happen at the same clip that we're used to seeing it happen. But I've I've pulled up the numbers here. Oklahoma actually does lead the Big 12 Conference in long plays from scrimmage with 150. The number two program... Any guesses? I mean, do cool. I, do I need to say Oklahoma State here? Or no, it's, it, oh. it's totally West Virginia. Is it really? West Virginia with 126. Oklahoma State, number seven, with 92. We're, we're talking about the Oklahoma offense, though. and one. I just thought you were setting us up yeah, for the, no, a big, not at epic all. bedlam not one at and all. two. I, <laughs> West Virginia was the only team who was able to pass for more than 200 yards against Oklahoma State this season. Uh, you can go and look no, at that, I, I'm pretty but I'm confident. telling you that it's 100% true. Oh, let's, uh, wait. Are we going to make a wager right here on the podcast? We are. Let's. You said 200 yards? Over 200 yards passing, passing only okay. Okay. against this Oklahoma State defense. Let's go one step further, wait, Matt, as wait, I'm looking wait, at the Oklahoma wait, offense. I, I'm all, you know, wait, because you know how I am with us. I'm all about what's the wager? It's the huge. Well, tell our listeners what's the what's the huge. It's it's. A Gatorade or a soda, whatever you you prefer. Okay. And a candy bar. All right. I just wanted to make sure we were clear on that. All right. Go ahead. Keep going. I'm going to look this up. And so I'm going back and, and I'm looking at all the numbers. Longest place from scrimmage. I'm uh-huh. looking at running plays. I would have never expected Oklahoma to be here because we said that Oklahoma was not leading the Big 12 in rushing yards per game. Uh-huh. However, when we look at the, the longest plays, these are just 10 plus yards a a rushing play that went 10 or more yards. Again, Oklahoma leading the way with 45. The second is Iowa state 
with 40. And and we can even go into passing plays if we would like, because guess what? Oklahoma is at the top of the list there with 105 themselves. This is a team that has the ability to chew up yardage pretty quickly. And I think as a defense, when you're looking at Oklahoma State, you have to account for that because you don't want to be that one weakest link that allows a 30 plus yard play to be rattled off against right, you. It's right. something that will be in the back of the minds of this Oklahoma State defense. Why? Because I fully believe that this will be the best offense that Oklahoma State faces all season. No, I and listen, I, I agree 100 percent with you on that. And you know who else agrees with you on that? Mike Gundy and Mike Gundy said that this week that they have not faced a team this particularly on the perimeter that's capable of doing the things that Oklahoma is capable of doing offensively. And and so you're 100 percent right. And I've been saying this about Oklahoma's Oklahoma State's defense is that they were they were top heavy. They, they have some gifts, you know, defensively with some of the offenses that they face not really being up to the challenge at this point. I, I think if, if Oklahoma state plays Tulsa right now, that was already a close game. It was a one score. Well, this is nine points. Well, Tulsa may have been better than what people were giving. Well, that's, credit what I'm, for. that's the point. But at that point, remember they were coming off the whole COVID thing and, and, and whatever that Tulsa only scored seven points in that game. I, I'm not saying Tulsa would beat Oklahoma state, but what I am saying is I think, I think Tulsa would score more than seven at this point. Let me go ahead and give you the numbers that you're looking for. No, you ready I, I for found this? Them. No, I found you ready? them. No, listen, let me, let me explain. I, I, first of all, let me admit I lost the bet. I found – because one of, one, of my, one of my questions for you on true or false deals with this, and the question is still accurate. That's what I was looking at. The question is still accurate, but I had two teams. So that's, that's, that's what I'm getting at. I had, I had two teams and I was wrong. You were right. I owe you a big gulp in a candy bar or whatever. Um, Oklahoma, is there some, like there, there's rumors that Stogner's not going to be ready to go. And if, if you made me pick right now between Rattler being completely healthy and Stogner being completely healthy, I'm, I'm more confident that Rattler's more healthy than Stogner is. So then you've got to figure out something to do, you know, with that with that spot, because we've talked about the big mismatch with Austin Stogner, but we've also talked about the drop passes with Austin Stogner. I love the what we're seeing out of, out of um, uh, Mikey Henderson. I love it. And and I think they can do some Austin Stogner type things with him. He's not as big body size as Stogner is, but I think he's a a, um, a more efficient threat out of the backfield. Because you're not going to run with Austin Stogner. There, there's not much of a chance of Rattler turning and putting the ball in Stogner's gut and Stogner hitting the three gap. You do have that chance with Henderson. And Henderson's pretty good at catching the ball. I mean, he has been, to me, as when you look at the freshman on the field, he has been an unexpected joy. You know, just, hey, this kid's way better than we thought he was. And the fact that he's contributing right now, I don't know what you do without Stogner if he doesn't play, but I think figuring some things out with Henderson would be the, my first step. Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley and even before Lincoln Riley showed up was very masterful in finding players who had a certain level of versatility on the offensive side of the ball that could play numerous positions. The most famous of those I think would be Trey, whether you said his name Millard or Millard, it's totally up to you. But we saw the versati versatility that he possessed, which made this Oklahoma offense hum. I think under Lincoln Riley, they continued to develop players like that. And while there may not be an individual name that you could pinpoint outside of a, a Jeremiah Hall, while there may not be any other name that you could pinpoint, there are candidates who do sit on the roster to fill a similar role, not specific to what Austin Stogner does, but a, a versatile role to what we saw a guy like Trey Millard Phil mm -hmm. while he was at the University of Oklahoma. If Oklahoma can tap into one of those, and again, we know that Lincoln Riley has been phenomenal at finding those mismatches or creating a mismatch where it may not have existed before from an offensive scheme, an offensive game plan. What what I believe that Oklahoma can do is insert a number of guys into a role until they find someone or something that works. Could that be Henderson? Absolutely. Could that be a hall? Absolutely. Could it be another name that we haven't mentioned? Well, there's Absolutely. rumors. There's also rumors that Braden Willis will play this weekend. Right. You know, so you, you, you potentially lose Austin Stogner. 
to potentially get back Braden Willis. Uh, is that a wash? I don't, I don't know, but he's also another name that you could potentially throw right. out there. So I, I think for me, again, going all, all the way back around here, when you look at Oklahoma's offensive game plan and, and attacking this Oklahoma State defense, you got to run the ball. So for me, the guy I'm looking at on Saturdays is going to be Ramondre Stevenson. There's, I mean, I, I think if Ramondre averaging, you know, he's averaging eight yards per carry coming into the game. If he's, if he's having a good night, if he's upwards of, you know, four and a half, five yards per carry even, then that means Spencer Rattler's probably playing better as well because he's taking a lot of pa- a lot of pressure off of Rattler and people get they get confused about Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley runs to pass. He doesn't pass to run, he runs to pass. And and I think that's going to be the game plan and again to me, it's all about putting pressure on those safeties. So that's why I'm looking directly at him. I I do believe I buy him 100%. When you say Oklahoma runs to pass, and when we look at what Oklahoma State's good at defensively, it's it's in pass. I, I say pass protection. It's in defending mm-hmm. the pass. Their run defense could use a little bit of help. They're not up to the same level that Oklahoma is, and Oklahoma has been a, a huge surprise in the Big 12 pertaining to their front seven. So when I look at what Oklahoma's strengths are offensively and I look at what Oklahoma State's strengths are defensively, it seems as though it's going to be strength against strength. And we know in those types of battles, fireworks typically fly, number one, but something has to break. Something has to give. I'm hoping that it's this this secondary of Oklahoma State, but I'm not willing to wager anything on that at this point. So you don't want to go double or nothing on that no, big No, sir. All right, so let's talk about the defensive side of the ball then. Again, we're we're talking pressure here on both game plans and defensively it, it's it's obvious you you got to pressure Spencer Sanders. There's when you when you look at the way Oklahoma's front seven is playing, yes, it's against bad teams, okay? TCU not an offensive juggernaut. Texas Tech not an offensive juggernaut. Kansas definitely not an offensive juggernaut. But you know who else who else isn't an offensive juggernaut? It's Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State offensively, I mean, I think across the board, whether you're wearing the crimson and cream or the orange and black, you can equally say this offense has been disappointing. And there's one reason why. It's not because they don't have a talented running back. It's not because they don't have a talented wide receiver. It's not because they don't have a quarterback with talent. They don't have an offensive line. It is very much a patchwork offensive line. Mike Gundy this week called it musical chairs along the front. Oklahoma should have a substantial advantage here. When I, when I said I was worried about the physicality of Oklahoma State's defense against o- Oklahoma's offense, what I'm most confident in this game right now is this matchup. Oklahoma's defensive front against Oklahoma State's offensive front. Now, to, to try to counter this, Mike Gundy, I'm pretty confident he's going to try to roll the pocket. He's not going to try to keep Spencer Sanders right there in the pocket. And if he steps up, he's going to be stepping up on a draw play. So you got to have a linebacker ready. You're going to try to move him left or right, roll him out. And so this is goes back to, we've talked about these type of game plans in the past where you want your defensive ends, their assignment is containment. The, the, your, your assignment is to contain. And then the pressure is funneled up to the middle. So you got to look at a Perry and Winfrey. You got, you got to look at a Josh Ellison. And, you know, even Ronnie Perkins, when Ronnie Perkins comes uh, on the blitz, it's going to be up the middle. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I don't know that they're going to try to blitz from the outside just because that's what Mike Gundy wants. You blitz from the left, he wants to roll into the right. You know, he wants to move this pocket based on the pressure. And when you bring the pressure up the middle and your defensive ends can contain, then there's really nowhere to go. And that that's what they want. But what that, what you want is you want – you got to put somebody on Tylen Wallace. I mean, you gotta, you gotta have him, you gotta have him covered. But then, who's that next guy? So, well, you want to, you want to take Tylen Wallace away as your, as your hot receiver. You don't want him to be the guy. Boop, right, ball out right there. You don't want that. You want him to think, okay, I've got to go to Dylan Stoner. You know, I've got to go to somebody else as that number one guy. And that's what you want to take away. You want to take away that number one option. And make Spencer Sanders try to either do something with his feet or try to force the ball. And we've seen a propensity from him 
this season and games that he's played in to, to make mistakes, be it fumbling or throwing interceptions. And that's your game plan right there for this defense. So again, I'm Ronnie Perkins is the, the sack master two weeks ago against Kansas, 11 quarterback pressures left, led the nation in quarterback pressures for that weekend. He needs to do it again, but also Perrin Winfrey has to be strong up the middle. I'm more focused on that than I am on a guy like Chuba Hubbard, who I've got a personal opinion on Chuba Hubbard that I'll, I'll share here in a minute. But to me, it's all about pressure. Offensively, you want to pressure those safeties to make a quick decision. Defensively, you want to do the exact same thing to Spencer Sanders. Quick decision. Oklahoma State, not the best in protecting or valuing every single possession. We have seen those turnovers, and we have seen those turnovers come back to haunt Oklahoma State later in the game, specifically looking at that Texas game. One thing, as you've mentioned, is that Spencer Sanders has shown that he's willing to take those chances, whether they come up um, the way he wanted to Mm -hmm. or not is a completely different story. But when I'm looking at Oklahoma, the one thing I continue to replay in the back of my mind was that saying from Alex Grinch when it came to turnovers we waited Matt we waited and then we waited some more and guess what in the fourth game of the season it was as if those floodgates finally opened for this Oklahoma defense those turnovers started coming the interceptions started happening Oklahoma is playing with a lot of confidence from those corner positions. Right. They're playing with a lot of confidence up front on that defensive line. And when those two units begin to work together, I don't know how to label it besides saying magic starts to happen. You look at the pressure that Oklahoma has been able to, to supply from just the defensive front. Of course, they've added in a couple of the linebackers like a Nick Benito to get some of that pressure into the backfield, which I'm going to go with a, a little bit of a different approach than you are. I do believe, let me just ask the question. I do believe that these defensive ends for Oklahoma will be asked to keep containment and to flush things towards the middle of where there's a huddle of players, Mm -hmm. essentially. Do you believe, regardless of asking these defensive ends to keep containment, that Oklahoma will still use a linebacker as a spy? No, well, I I think it depends on on what happens. Here's what I would expect to happen. I think a guy like Isaiah Thomas, he's solid at the defensive end. His job is containment. What do you do with Ronnie Perkins? Because he's your best pass rusher. So do you move Ronnie Perkins more towards the middle and then you you put someone else out there like uh, David Aguebu or even Nick Benito has been pretty fantastic um, at at quarterback pressure? Do Do you use them to contain the other side and bring Ronnie Perkins up the middle? I think if Spencer Sanders has the ability to step forward and evade that initial pressure and start scrambling right up the middle, at that point, you you go to that plan, which you would put a guy like Nick Benito or Aguebu as the spy. I don't think you start that way because you've got a guy in Perrin Winfrey who is just and again, you're going you gotta understand that the the offensive line that Oklahoma is about to face next to Missouri State could be the worst offensive line they face this season. I mean, that's very true, right? So, so you should be a guy like Perrin Winfrey, who is now seasoned at this level of football and Josh Ellison between those two guys, you should be able to keep things from coming up the middle. Mm -hmm. And then your linebackers can fill the gaps. If that works, there's no need for a spy. I was so, so where I'm approaching this from is I do believe we've witnessed plenty of speed on this defensive front mm-hmm. seven from Oklahoma. We've seen on numerous occasions the ability to chase a quarterback down from behind. That's not always an ideal situation as quarterbacks are simply trying to extend the play and ask that secondary to cover for 10, 12 seconds, which is a long time to sit in one-on-one coverage, especially as everything begins to flow behind you and you don't see it happening until the receiver reacts. And then of course, you are now a step behind by reacting to what they're doing. Needless to say, I I do believe that Oklahoma has enough speed where they can, if if they don't want to play contain for the entire game, start to move things towards the sideline. One of the players that we haven't mentioned and hasn't really received a ton of attention is is Marcus Stripling on the defensive line. I think he's a guy, if you're talking about moving uh, Ronnie Perkins around, mm-hmm. that no, Marcus, Marcus Stripling could easily step in to that role on the defensive line and contribute in a, in a, a very big way. 
Yeah, no, I, I like that. That that's a that's a solid point. When you look at Oklahoma State's offensive stats, they're averaging 28 points per game, which I really expected it to be way north of that. And you know, for example, I'll use at 46.1. I'll use almost 20 points more per game than what Oklahoma State is producing. 411 yards of offense. So they're moving the ball. They're just not producing points. What that tells me is that this is an offense that stalls in the red zone because they can't protect. They can't make things happen up front. 220 yards uh, passing and 190 yards rushing. What scares you? What, what, what are you most concerned with when you look at Oklahoma's defense versus Oklahoma State's offense? Is it the potential Spencer Sanders to Tylen Wallace combo, or is it Chuba Hubbard finally waking up and saying, you know what, I, I probably should go make some money now with my with my senior year film? What what, what bothers you the most? I'm not going to say it's Chuba Hubbard. And while I do think Chuba Hubbard will remain high on any draft board for any NFL franchise that's looking for a running back, you have to, you have to consider this offensive line. If you can't find an initial push to break open some gaps or to move the, the defensive line out of the way for that running back to gain yardage. It's just not going to happen. doesn't matter how good mm-hmm. of a running back you have. That's why I'm going to put all that pressure on Tylen Wallace. Here's an experienced receiver going against what we could say is an inexperienced secondary. There are some juniors playing in that secondary, but I'm still not going to say that it's experienced across the board. Having a guy who has that know-how to recognize when a zone opens up to just sit down and wait for the ball to be delivered yeah. is something that absolutely terrifies me. However, I, I I still have to go off of this confidence that Oklahoma is playing with. I have to look at the speed that they've displayed at the past four games, I'll say. The speed that they've displayed, that confidence level. And and I do have hope that Tylen Wallace won't be as open as we may think he will be consistently. So who's your give me uh, one or two guys defensively that you're gonna be really be watching and, and why you would why why they've got your eye on Saturday night. <laughs> the first one you've already thrown out. And I'm I mean this is an easy pick for me. It's it's Perry and Winfrey, or it could be Josh Ellison. Whoever's gonna play the most time in the middle of this defensive line, I think is gonna have a big impact. One, we've talked about the lack of talent. We've talked about the shuffling that's happened for Oklahoma State on that offensive line. And it it just speaks volumes for what this defensive line should be capable of. But I do think it all starts. In the middle, I think it starts with that initial push, which then should hopefully free up the guys on the edge. And while the stats won't necessarily show it, you'll know just by an eye test if these defensive tackles have had a big game or if yeah. they haven't. So I'm going to go with Josh Ellison, Perry and Winfrey, just a slash because I know they're both going to play in this game. And then I, I've got to throw out someone in the secondary as well. We've talked about Tylen Wallace. We've talked about Spencer Sanders' athleticism, the ability to run and the ability to throw on the run. I mean, I'm just going to go with Trey Brown <laughs> Okay. At, at this point in time. And the reason why is I do believe he's the most seasoned of the cornerbacks. I think if you're looking for an individual player to draw that number one receiver, the, that responsibility more often than not, it's got to be Trey Brown. And Trey Brown is going to have to, one, stay with Tylen Wallace. Two, we saw that Trey Brown last year against Baylor has the speed to keep up with any receiver in the country. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I still think that's the case. But if he gets lost, if he gets turned around, if he has tight hips, Tylen Wallace can easily take advantage of those things and make this defense pay for a simple mistake that you wouldn't even notice in the blink of an eye. Yeah, let me let me just give a couple of things to close out this segment. First of all, I I maybe I should be. I'm cautiously optimistic about about Chuba Hubbard. I'm not I'm not afraid of the Chuba Hubbard situation. Just because of what you said, the every, we know it starts with the offensive line. Everyone keeps that in consideration. And I think Chuba Hubbard keeps that in consideration, knowing that his mark on the NFL is already there. People, He's got the film. People know what he's capable of. He's playing this season just to keep fresh and not to get hurt. I don't think he's playing. I don't see it in him that he's playing full bear to, to go out and win a Heisman, to go out and win a championship. He's playing to keep scouts at bay and to really just kind of keep his film fresh, and most importantly, not to get hurt. L.D. Brown, in my opinion, 
is running a lot harder than Chuba Hubbard is. But again, it goes back to what's up front. And so you, you're you spot on with Perry and Winfrey, Josh Ellison combo. I'm going to go a different route, though. I'm going to go with Ronnie Perkins because Oklahoma's best pass rushing specialist out there is Ronnie Perkins. I'm curious how they're going to do it. I think you're, they're going to they're going to flash him outside and then they're going to loop him underneath of Ellison or Winfrey, you know, to bring it up the middle. I really feel like that's what they're going to do. And I think again, 11 quarterback hurries uh, two weeks ago against Kansas. I don't know that he'll be at that number, but I think he'll be more than five. I mean, I think him and Spencer Sanders are going to get very well acquainted in this game. So Ronnie Perkins is is the guy that I'm I'm looking at up front. And I'm also going with a guy in the secondary. It's a Trey, but it's not Trey Brown. It's Trey Norwood in that we've seen him have a knack for getting to the ball. And he also has a knack for actually making the interception, you know, making the play. And so I, I look at Norwood because I think when, when if you can get Oklahoma State in desperation mode, third and long, trailing by four, I, I think there's, there's going to be those plays where Spencer Sanders just throws up a prayer. And that's that's Trey Norwood territory right there. And I, I think there's a potential of him coming up with a bit of deflection or an interception. I, I think there's some potential there for Norwood to have a pretty good impact on the on the back end of the defense. Yeah, and we haven't even talked about third down conversion rates, as we know that that through any game, doesn't matter if it's Bedlam football or if it's outside of the Big 12 conference, third down conversions play a large role in the success of the offense. Right. Oklahoma State, I did pull up those numbers really quickly converting on 38.89% of their third downs. So you know that if you can limit, which has been the case for basically every team this year, if you can limit the rushing attack of Oklahoma State, you're going to find yourself in a pretty favorable favorable position to be on the receiving end of a punt right. or a turnover on downs. Yeah, and you know that's a great point. I'm just going to add on to it. You know, Oklahoma State, 39% if you round up. That's 72nd nationally. Oklahoma's 45% on, on converting third downs, which is 37th nationally. But if you flip the side of the ball and you look at defense against first downs, Oklahoma State's first in the conference. First downs or third downs? Sorry, third downs. Uh, Oklahoma State is is first in the conference. Um, 23.3% is the success rate against Oklahoma State's defense on third down. And OU's not, right, not very far behind in fifth and na- nationally at 28%. So this is this is a that, that your third down is is crucial both to the offense and to the defense and it's just one of the things that we're going to jump into as far as things we should watch in Bedlam that actually could be for the first time in many many years a defensive battle as opposed to an offensive battle. True or false coming up. I'm asking the questions. It's a Bedlam edition. Okay, let me let me correct something. And then we'll jump into true or false. Oklahoma's number one na- Oklahoma State is number one nationally, 23.5%, not number one in the Big 12. Clearly, if you're number one nationally, you're number one in the Big 12, but whatever. All right, true or false coming up. I get to ask, puts Richard in that awkward spot. Is it awkward for you? It's, I wouldn't say I that it's find awkward. It awkward. I, just, I, I don't get nervous. Maybe, I'm, it's because not you awkward. know I'm going to ask good questions. Wow. <laughs> It's like a, a backhanded compliment of yourself <laughs> in my general direction. All right, here we go. Uh, true or false, five questions all having to do with Bedlam. Uh, here's number one. Mike Gundy is over against Lincoln Riley. Now, true or false, Mike Gundy has a mental block when it comes to big games, especially Bedlam. It's hard to argue in the direction of false, so I am going to go with true when we look, and it's not just Bedlam that I'm looking at. No, that's at what I'm saying, around. big games. Yeah, big big games. It's not big game Bob anymore. <laughs> when we look at Oklahoma State, their one chance to play in a national championship over the past 15 years came in 2011. Mm-hmm. And I'll never, I will never forget Oklahoma State losing to Iowa State with Brandon Whedon as the quarterback. That was an exceptional team that probably should have won the national championship that year. But because of one blip, one final hiccup in the road to the Big 12 championship, it it cost them everything in the national title picture. Of course, it didn't cost them the conference, but it cost them in the national title picture. We've seen over the course of just the past five years, 
even. Oklahoma State has put up a good fight. They may have, I wouldn't say that they've had a better team in the past five years, but they've never quite been able to get over the hurdle that is Oklahoma. This will be the biggest test. This will be the biggest win for Oklahoma State if they can get that this weekend. And it should propel them into not only the Big 12 championship, but if one loss is the only thing that they suffer all season long, they'll be in the college football playoff conversation as well. So to answer your question, I do think the answer is true. Mike Gundy has some kind of a mental block when it comes to these big games, as if the moment's just too big for him. Well, and let's give some more uh, examples. Most recently, you know, go back to last season. How did they lose to Texas in Austin? How did they lose to Texas A&M in their bowl game? How did they lose to Texas this year in Stillwater? All those things can be drawn right back to Mike Gundy. And just, again, this mental block of coaching not to lose as opposed to coaching to win. And I think that's 100% plays into Bedlam and Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I was going to say we saw a lot of that as Oklahoma fans against Iowa State and Kansas State, building two score leads and then playing not to lose, trying to conserve the game, trying to run out the clock. It just doesn't work. And it's not the mentality that's needed in order to win not only a Big 12 championship, but a college football playoff game, which no team from the Big 12 has done. Okay, so here we go. Let's go to number two then. Oklahoma this season is holding opponents to an average of 98 yards per game on the ground. True or false? Oklahoma State will exceed that number on Saturday night. I'm going to go with false. Wow. From the running back position. Yeah. (laughs) From the running back position. No, I'm talking about I know, I know. The X factor for me will be what does Spencer Sanders do with his feet? What does he do when the pocket collapses? Game plan wise, if they're going to roll him out, there will be some some opportunity for him to get upfield and to go north south instead of going just east west. But again, I, I have to conti- continuously go back to what this defensive front seven has done for Oklahoma uh-huh. throughout the entire year. And I have mentioned it on numerous occasions now, but the speed D is finally being realized under Alex Grinch. It's because of those reasons. It doesn't matter what Spencer Sander does. I'm still going to go with true. Yeah. Listen, I hope you're right because if Oklahoma holds Oklahoma state to under a hundred yards rushing, then it's going to be a big margin on the scoreboard for the Sooners. Um, That, that would build very well for Oklahoma. All right, here we go. Number three, Oklahoma state here. Here's the question that I lost a big gulp over Oklahoma state has yet to allow a 300-yard passer this season. Turns out we learned in this podcast that they've only allowed one quarterback to pass over 200 yards on them. Spencer Rattler goes into the game Saturday night averaging 288 yards through the air per game. True or false? Rattler goes over 300 yards in Bedlam. I'm going to go with false on this one. While the there is the ability to, I don't know the health of Austin Stogner, and I think that changes what Oklahoma attempts to do within the passing game. It's going to force them to rely on the likes of a TJ Pledger and a Ramondre Stevenson, amongst other candidates who can carry the ball. But I think the bigger game will be had from the running attack Mm -hmm. rather than the passing attack. Yeah, I, I can agree with you there. I, I think that the, the I'm focus, not saying they're going to run for 300 yards. Okay? No, but I don't I, want it to be misconstrued. But I, I into think that. the focus on running the game, if, if they if Lincoln Riley follows my game plan, it it's more it leans more for success on the ground than it does through the air. So I can see it for for that reason. Um, okay, here we go. Number four, Oklahoma has scored at least 28 points. In 59 consecutive games. That's a program record, by the way. This season, Oklahoma State's defense is only giving up an average of 17.8 points per game. True or false? Saturday night, the Sooners make it 60 in a row. True. Oklahoma has been a complete machine on the offensive side of the ball since Lincoln Riley arrived on campus. You look at the accuracy of a guy like Spencer Rattler, you look at the, the the running back room in general, and you look at this new found tenacity along the offensive line, and it builds towards this level of success that Oklahoma has currently experienced. I look at Marvin Mims, who's had an incredible season as a true freshman, as being a leading 
uh, target for Oklahoma, but you can't count out a guy like Charleston Rambo. And while he hasn't delivered to the level that we thought he would this season, he can't, you, you can't not account for him anytime he steps on the field. So given those two facts, Matt, given what, what I believe Oklahoma is capable of and saying that they do have big play propensity, I have to believe they're going to score more than 28 points. 31 seems to be that number. 31 to 34 seems to be that number for Oklahoma. And I do believe when we get to our score predictions that they they will hit that. I was going to ask, did we just get half of your score prediction? Maybe. <laughs> no, right, I'm not going to tell. We'll wait. We'll wait. All right, well, we're, we're close to that part of the podcast anyway. All right, number five, last one. Um, here we go. Let's let's place the over under on sacks for Oklahoma's defense. We're gonna we're gonna place that at four and a half. So four and a half quarterback sacks on Saturday night for Oklahoma defense. That's the over under. True or false? They'll hit the over. I'm gonna go with false. Really? On this one. Yeah. Uh, we've talked. Umpteen You've got times. a couple surprising answers for me tonight. Yeah, we've by the way. we've talked umpteen times about the athleticism of Spencer Sanders. I think when he tucks that ball and he's outside of the pocket, doesn't matter if they get him in the backfield or not, it's not going to count as a sack. So the stats will be be skewed out of that that four and a half number, the over that you're looking for. But I do believe... Say, say what you just said again. I said the the number will be skewed. Why is it skewed? I, I, because when Spencer Sanders tucks the ball and runs... If he's brought behind the line of scrimmage, it's, it's a, a sack, sack yeah, anyway. Yeah. I thought that was just a tackle for no, a lot. Shows how much get, I know about football. Well, yeah, it can be. But if he's, if he's pressured, so let's say he's pressured, okay? Mm-hmm. And then he steps up to run, that's a quarterback sack if it's behind the line of scrimmage. Now, if it's just a snap, tuck, and go, that's a different thing. Right, right, right. right. No, I completely understand that. I'm still, I'm still going with false, though, Matt, because I think that Spencer Sanders will at least get a half a yard or a yard, even if he's being pursued from behind. Okay, I I disagree with you on that one. I, I, I would take the over, but that's, that's just me. Sanders has been sacked 10 times so far this season. Oklahoma State quarterbacks, total of 17 sacks. You know, that's that's not a bad margin, but I would expect it to be worse. All right, um, let's just go around the Big 12 real fast. There's only a one other game, Kansas State, Iowa State. We've talked about it in detail. This is desperation time for the Wildcats at 4-2 and two in the conference. It, they lose here. They're eliminated basically from that tie, from that chance of, of being in the Big 12 championship game. If you're Oklahoma, you I, I think Oklahoma fans need to be cheering for the Cyclones Iowa State five and two on the season, five and one in Big Twelve. This is a three o'clock kickoff. The Cyclones are eleven point favorites in this game. I'm just gonna say I, I like oh I like Iowa State to win this game. I don't know that I like them to cover the eleven points for two reasons. I think Kansas State's gonna try to conclo- control the clock, and Brock Purdy is good for a turnover here and there. I just think it stays within the eleven. I'm gonna disagree with you. All right, once again. I think they push it just beyond the 11 to a 14, a closer to a 14 number. Now that could be 12. That could be 16. My feelings won't be upset, but I do believe that they're going to push that past the 11. And it's because of, of the receivers. I don't know that any team, well, and I was going to say the big 12, but we could extend it well beyond that. There are more than a handful of teams outside of the big 12 that don't have the size to cover those receivers. Mm -hmm. If, Iowa State is able to do what they did against Oklahoma and drawing all those penalties. It's going to be a long day. You're talking about controlling the clock. That's going to heavily swing it into Iowa State's favor in time of possession, but also in terms of the game. Okay, Brees Hall, 1,034 yards on the ground so far this season. That could be another factor as far as chewing up clock and keeping the game closer, in my opinion. Brings us to Bedlam. Hey, quick question. Who has more yards, Deuce Vaughn or Brees Hall? Oh, Brees Hall. Hey, I mean, uh, no, that, yeah, yeah. I don't even. I don't even have to look that up. I can tell you that without looking it up. It's well, we can look it up. Real fast. I, I just meant in the game. Oh, the game oh, on in Saturday. the game. Yeah, who, get, who gets more yards meant, on Saturday? I thought you meant on the season. I'm like, I don't even have to look that up. I'm confident that it's it's Brees Hall. But since you got me there, Deuce Vaughn only 371 yards for the season, where we just said, you know. Brees Hall is over a thousand. I think Brees Hall. I, I just, I, I think this Kansas State team is playing. They're, they're gassed. I mean, they know. Um, they were give them credit before 
Skylar Thompson's injury, they were better than we thought they were going to be. They legitimately beat Oklahoma by being more physical and controlling the ball. But they're not the same team that came into Norman back in September. And I think they know that, particularly offensively. And I think the I think this is a game where they can just get beaten and beaten and beaten. And then finally, Brees Hall breaks free for a, a, a good game. Um, but I still think, I still, if I was going to bet, I think I would bet Kansas State and those 11 points. But that's just me. I, I'm, I'm not a guy you want. Yeah, to- what, do, what do we know? Hey, I mean, just take a look at our Friday no, locks here. No, listen, I think I've gone three weeks in a row now at 3-0 and on Friday locks. So I'm, I'm on a little bit of a run there. All right, here we go. Bedlam, 6-30, ABC game. We get the we get the A team. There is a chance, a slight chance for some, for some rain in Norman. I think that only goes to favor the Sooners even more. Oklahoma's seven-point favorite over under is 59 and a half. Give me your score prediction, Rich. My score prediction, as I said, 31 to 34 has been the magic number for Oklahoma. It seems as though they've consistently hit that mark. Whether they've won or lost is is irrelevant to that argument. But when I'm looking at this Oklahoma team, I do believe they're going to hit that 35-point mark in this game offensively. And my hope here, my hope is that the defense can hold Oklahoma State to 24. So I've got 35 to 24. I've got Oklahoma State right around their average, just as low at 27 points, and I've got OU at 35 as well. I think the the uh, over under, not the over under, the the point spread seven right now is pretty much spot on. I actually would, you know, 35 to 27 will be OU winning by one more than the point spread, but no way I would touch this line. But I do have the Sooners 35-27 over Oklahoma State. We hope we're right, but regardless, we'll, we'll be back on Sunday to break it down and talk more about it. Have a great weekend. You can catch us on Twitter. I forgot to tell this part. You can catch us on Twitter at Sports Heartland on the internet, heartland-sports.com. Uh, subscribe to the Sooner Nation podcast anywhere you can find podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts. Basically, if they have podcasts, we're there. And we thank you for that. We thank you for listening. We thank you for communicating. And uh, we thank you for being Sooner fans. Have a great weekend. Boomer Sooner. Thank you.